0: church, developing a culture of loving Christ and serving others. There's a curiosity that happens when people die. I've noticed that um, uh, funerals, and I've been in the presence when, um, as a pastor to be there when someone's taking their last breath, and there's always this bridge between life and death. And it makes it just a reality that there is something beyond the grave. And for a lot of people, they've kind of put that out of their mind. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to think about death. They don't want to think about what happens after that. It's just out of sight, out of mind. And here we're going to bring up some questions. We're going to talk about some myths surrounding heaven, hell, what it looks like right after we die. There's a lot of myths, ambiguity, questions uncertainty a lot of made-up stuff and our culture has developed this and there's a lot of people who have bought in to a false hope so today we're going to talk about that and we're going to discover this in a three-part series today uh, i'll be speaking next week johanna will be preaching and then i mean uh jed will be preaching and then johanna which will be Mother's Day, she'll be preaching then. Johanna, by the way, uh, is speaking at uh, New Life Fellowship in Logan today as a guest speaker for her brother Dane. So she's over there in ministry today. We're curious to know about death, and we want to know what happens after we die. And this isn't just an intellectual thing. This is a heart thing. Right? Because we know, we have a hope, and things like that, but there's an experiential that we nobody's experienced. And all of us here have the same future that we're going to face Death one day. We don't know when. We don't know how. Uh, it could be tomorrow. It could be today after church. It could be even 50 years. We just don't know, but we know that all men are, are destined to die. And so it's, it's a sobering thought for us, but we need to look at this, and we need to look at what that looks like for us. And we, we may not necessarily fear after death um, as Christians, believers specifically, but listen, we, we don't necessarily look forward to the process, Right? I like what uh, actor and director Woody Allen said. He said, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. (laughs) In scripture, it's very clear that, yes, death is a physical issue. But ultimately, death is a spiritual issue. Just as your life right now is not just physical, it's spiritual. Right? You You have physical life and you have spiritual life. You have a physical death and you have a spiritual death. We're talking about the spiritual death today what that looks like in spiritual life and what that looks like today and I like this quote we're not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying we are in the land of the dying trying to get to the land of the living that's this process that you and I really are and I think most everybody is on this journey And they're wanting to go to the land of the living. They just don't know exactly what that looks like or how to get there. And they like this comfortable idea of heaven, but they're not really sure what that is. In fact, they just kind of tend to think, that's just where everybody goes. And is that the reality? I'll first say that there's a difference between dying in fear and despair. And I'll tell you, I have witnessed this, where someone is totally and completely afraid to die. And I've witnessed this and dying with faith and hope and assurance and confidence. And for those who die in Christ Jesus we can rejoice with hope and for we know that as we celebrated last week death has been defeated, correct? There's something starkly different when you attend a funeral of one who has hope, faith and assurance in Christ and has followed Christ in their lives. There's a stark difference of hope in a funeral service there than someone who has not put their faith and hope in Christ. There's a different type of mourning. We can mourn those who, have lo- who we've lost who is a brother and sister. I just lost my grandmother. and We mourn and we shed some tears. But she is truly alive now. She is more alive now than she's ever been. But when the, the When someone passes who does not know the Lord, there's a different type of mourning. There's a lot of questions in our culture about life after death. And there's a lot of myths about heaven and hell. And almost every funeral service, and I will say, I'm just going to even clarify it even more. Every funeral service I've ever been to, every funeral service I've been to, they speak as if this person is going to heaven or going to a better place. It just seems to be that when you die, that's just what you say, but is that the reality? And it always strikes a chord with me in a question that says, why is it that people don't want to believe in God when they live, yet when they die, they want to spend eternity with Him?" Another question that arises is, why is it that we think that we can go to heaven by being a good person alone? Is anybody good enough? Questions that arise on, on our end, those who believe in God, you may get asked the question if God is such a loving God, then why does He send people to hell? Another thing that we see all the time is that when someone loses a family member, especially, and it's tragic, it's heartbreaking. They've lost that loved one way too early. They look for signs of hope in all the wrong places. All of a sudden, they, they seem to think that the deceased is coming and speaking to them through a coin on the ground or a butterfly. And they're searching for hope in the wrong places. There is myth after myth that creates confusion and, and unclarity and unsettling ideas about life after death. These are some serious questions that we're going to address, but we need to recognize that even though the culture does not want to talk or believe about God, we sure have a fascination about life after death. They don't want to think about God's spirit as being a reality and they reject it as as foolishness, yet they're totally willing to believe in spirits and ghosts and the underworld and paranormal activity. I mean, how many movies come out? We are completely enamored with it. We we are interested in it. We fantasize about it. And yet, oh, no, no, don't believe in God. But I believe that some ghost was wandering around. If we turn to human reasoning, we're going to find many guesses. We're going to find many ideas, many theories, but no answers. And it will only leave us wondering. It will only leave us with ideas that are made up Trying to bring hope, which only bring confusion. And the ideas that are presented here in the next three weeks could change your life forever. Just specifically saying, and I hope that every message that we preach here is all about life change forever. I'm not just talking about Monday through Saturday until we get to Sunday and then we change something else. This is a life-changing message every single week. And today, probably more than other days, Sundays, it's a serious life change for some. Because this talks about something. It brings up a conversation that we typically don't want to just talk about or think about. And our culture has preached and caused many to believe concepts about life after death that give or appear to give assurance and hope. But in reality, it's just a false hope. It's pretend. And so we got to awaken the senses and not just look at what looks appealing or satisfying or itches our ears and says, I like what that hears, and let's listen to what Jesus says and say, wow, that is a truth that I need to hear. Because Jesus didn't come to just tell you what you want to hear. He came to tell you what you need to hear. And so some of the things I'm going to talk about today are just not necessarily easy to bring up because some of the things that I bring to your attention are things that have infiltrated the church in a heavy way and is contrary to god's word and yet believers can sometimes be uh, uh, don't know the word misled to believe in something that is not what we should be believing in i love my helpmate up here can i just get <laughs> thank you that's what happens when you're married for more than 15 years it's just kind of like mind reading it's perfect i mean the holy spirit's speaking to you that's good <clears throat> But I want to bring some attention. That's all we're doing today, right? An awareness is healthy, awareness of truth, and a dose of conviction. And so I want to speak truth, and it's my job to speak truth, but I want to speak that with gentleness, with sensitivity, because there are going to be some things that maybe you bought into that need to bring into awareness and say, okay, I need to check this in my life, make sure I'm not swaying to the right or to the left, going straight towards God's word. A couple myths is this. Is there a second chance after death? Is there a second chance? Of course, there's not a second chance after we die. This, hopefully, just in the title here of this point. Just this alone should motivate us as a church body. We have one life, one chance, one opportunity to make the right decision. As believers, we're all about making the right decision. And if you've said yes to Christ, you've you've made the decision. In life, there's really only one choice that really matters. It has nothing to do with the job. It has nothing to do with our our. Uh, our finances. It has nothing to do with our career path. It has nothing to do, ultimately, with our spouse. Those are all great things. But ultimately, it comes down between you and your relationship with God and what you choose. Right. And God presents that to us. You, I'm, I'm going to give you an invitation. And every single person that's been born has been given an invitation to know God or not. And when every single person has the choice to say yes or no. Yeah. And we only have a short window... To receive or reject. And it's a popular view. I'll just tell you it's a popular view to believe that there's a second chance after, after death because it's comfortable, it's easy. I've got family members who die right now, they're not going to be in heaven. The reality hurts. I wish, right? That they would. I wish there was a second chance, and maybe they could they could do something in between death and heaven and, and kind of rectify all the things with a relationship with God. But no, that's just not biblical. And it's a popular view that we would we hope, put some would put their hope, that those who do not accept Christ in this life will somehow acquire a second chance. That either that God will give them an opportunity to justify their life when they meet God face to face, or That they would be given a second chance based off of our prayers or our efforts or our deeds being done here for them on the other side of this this world on their behalf. The answer is just very simple. There's absolutely no biblical support whatsoever for the notion of a second chance. Hebrews 9 says this, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. There's absolutely no ambiguity on this point. The only opportunity that you will have to spend eternity with God is the opportunity that God affords you right now. Sobering thought. There's no illustration, humorous illustration or jokes tied to this. This is not a joking matter. There's just not the second chance. If that rings anything in our hearts, it rings an urgency for our loved ones that we know won't get a second chance. And the Holy Spirit's job for us today, I think what He's doing is creating a burden, a biblical burden that 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 Jesus has for his lost children, that we get to sense and identity of saying. Wow, this is such an, an urgent thing because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And you have a message of life and there are people who have believed in a, a message of death and they don't know it. I'll think about it when I get there. Oh, that's good enough or I'm, I'm good, I live good enough. We've got to get rid of this. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way through the Father. And who is that? It's Jesus the only opportunity that we have is what God gives us here and now in this life. And if we ever dream of coming to God after we die, it's only nursing a false hope. There is a father of lies that is speaking lies about spiritual truth. That we need to counteract the counterfeit message. With a message of truth. The counterfeit message is always a message of ease and comfort. Believing in a comfortable lie is what most people want to hear or would rather hear. Versus an uneasy truth. The uneasy truth is that there is only one way. We don't like to hear that. I'm telling you right now, you're fighting culture. The culture says there is multiple ways, and you are being extremely dogmatic by saying Jesus is the only way. How are you, or how dare you tell me that he's the only way? If, if, it's, if it's true for me, it's true for, me, for you. If Jesus is true for you, then that's true for, for you, but don't tell me. See, you're fighting that, because you, li- you believe in a counterculture message But we can't be afraid of the message of condemnation from the world of what you believe in truth because the message of truth that you bring is a message of hope. And it's the only hope out there. There's absolutely no second chance. It's the urgency of why we exist as a church. The reason you and I are here, the the mission that we have here, is to bring a message of hope through Jesus. Not... Allah, Muhammad, and any other prophet or anything else, there's only one message that we bring, correct? That has brought you life, that is rescued from death. Jesus, we, will, we cannot sway on this message. And we will not. The message is too important here, now, today. There's no second chance. Myth number two. Can you contact the dead after they're gone? I, hit on this just a little bit the answer is just plain and simple it's no but you would be surprised and i am surprised of how many people how many believers try and contact the dead it's a scary thought and i don't like it and god may be speaking to some of you today to knock it off stop putting your hope into something else only put your hope in jesus any, I want to speak clearly because as much as we don't think that this is happening, it's happening all the time and it's destructive to you. Any attempt to dabble in spirit contact is strictly forbidden in God's word. It just is. It is sometimes called necromancy. I think I said that wrong. Or sorcery or dealing with familiar spirits. We must be aware. I want you to hear this. That when spirits are conjured up, It's going to be demonic powers and influences every time. Masquerading as the dead to bring a false comfort. We must be aware and know that demons, first of all, is a reality. You're here because you believe in a supernatural God. But there's also... A supernatural, that just means out of the natural spirit of Satan and his followers and demons. That can masquerade and mimic their voices of loved ones. And can give information that only the dead would have known. We cannot be fooled. We cannot have our eyes blind to the powers of Satan. You have a power in, he, in you to fight a power, right, that is he that is in the world. Who's that? It's Satan. Satan does have power. Just as Moses understood when he threw the serpent down, down or threw the, the, the staff down and it turned into the serpent. And, the, and Pharaoh's magicians threw theirs down and it turned into a serpent. It mimicked, duplicated, never created, mimics and duplicates miracles that God will do. And he will use that to influence people to believe in something contrary to God. We have to be careful about this. And John says this, beloved, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test, have discernment, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. There are false prophets. There are those who prophesy and say that they are from God. They say that they are from another spirit or whatever else. that They are prophesying. We have to make sure that we understand what is from God and what is not. If it's trying to speak to the dead or bring the dead out to life, it is not from God. God told me that your Uncle Bill has this message for you. Stay away from that. Paul also says this, these people are false prophets. And we have to be careful about this because there are false prophets inside the church, right? Wolves and sheep clothing. It's a reality. We have to be careful. So just because somebody says, I have a message of the Lord, we, we have to make sure that we use discernment in that as well. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised, he says, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. good things presented to you that brings comfort, that brings some answers, that brings something that that, that really you've desired to know. Be careful if it's not biblical, it's from Satan. There is a supernatural world that we tap into that we need to make sure we're tapping into the right world. So in in case this isn't clear, let me make it Plain as day, do not attempt to contact the dead through any means at all. Seances. Ouija boards are not games. I've heard that too many times. And in youth ministry, I am surprised at the parents who would let their, their teenagers play with Ouija boards. It's just entertainment, it's just games. You can buy an Ouija board at Toys R Us, Toys R Us, or used to. You can find the Ouija board for kids. If you've it, it, seen this, it is designed to reach kids. It has cartoons and flowers on it. It's the Ouija board. It's not games. Crystal balls is not just fun. Psychic readers or mediums is not fun and games and entertainment. Do not take this lightly. Your spiritual life depends on this. And you are involving yourself in which is a direct opposition to God's spirit and opening yourself up to demonic influences, you're basically taking off the armor that God has provided for you and saying, here, you're opening up your chest and saying, enter in. Do not do that. Leave it alone. So here, those are some myths. And now we come into some truth of God's word of what happens one minute after you die. Truth is this that death means life for only those who follow Jesus there is life immediately In fact it doesn't take as long as 1 minute And what happens when you die or 1 minute after you die all depends on what happens before you die The Bible is very clear and it classifies humanity into two comprehensive categories there's the saved and the unsaved right we're just going to go into a little bit of a teaching mode here. There's the saved, there's the unsaved. There's the believers, there's the unbelievers. There's the born again and those who are not born again. There's the sheep and there's the goats. It's the, 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 the way that goes to uh, um, uh, unrighteousness and the path that goes to righteousness. There's two ways. Basically, there's, there's two options, and you get to pick one. And each person is accountable to pick one. And everything that happens to us one minute after we die all depends on the choice that is presented in front of us are the opportunity to make a choice and all of us have that decision to make christ our lord and our savior and those who will reject reject them and what happens to the believer is radically different than what happens to the unbeliever now let me just say this both the unbeliever and the unbeliever or the unbeliever and the believer and the saved and the unsaved every person is spending eternity so just to kind of get some of that mumbo jumbo out, everybody's spending eternity. It just, spent, it just depends on where we're going to spend eternity, and the unbeliever, unfortunately, is not going to spend eternity with God. And this is important for us to know that Romans six twenty three, and many of us have this memorized, but has it hasn't settled into our hearts? For the wages of sin is death. We're talking about that spiritual death here. It's not just a physical death, right? This is a spiritual death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have the two totally different outcomes from the believer and the unbeliever. You have life and you have death. The moment we pass away from this world, there is life and there is death. You pass from a physical death to a spiritual death or a a physical death to a, a spiritual life. In Revelation, if and if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Hell is a real place. Can we just say that we are here to preach a message of salvation, a message of grace, a message of forgiveness? We are a, a, a message of spending God uh, our lives with eternity with God. But when we say that we're saved and we don't recognize hell, we forget what we've been saved from. The message of grace, the good news, is that you have a different life in Christ Jesus forever than those who don't. And you've been plucked out, rescued. We were going down that road. And he says, "Uh uh-uh, you turn. We're taking you this way. But the moment of death, for the soul of the unbeliever, is going to spend eternity in hell in a conscious torment. The consequence is eternal and, and there's suffering and flames. And, and Jesus talks about a rich man who upon his death went to hell and he suffered in the flames of torment. And it doesn't matter whether you think this passage is literal or figurative. If you say it's literal, then it's a, it's a terrible place because it's very descriptive. That if you th- say it's figurative, then it's only just a picture of what it would be. So it's even worse. And God talks more in his word about hell than he does about heaven. The reason being is not necessarily to scare you, but to say, look at what I've rescued from. And hopefully to give us a sobering thought about our witness, the truth that you have, and what you've been given, right, that gives us a burden and the reality so that we can understand and grasp how big God's love is for us? So it goes into our next point of this, is for those who trust in Jesus, there is life immediately. It's just life. When you put your hope in Jesus, you're putting your hope in the eternity and spending eternity with God in his presence. For those who have decided to respond to God's love and provision, death becomes this full awareness. One minute after you die, you're going to have this full awareness of what you've been rescued from, because all the veil is going to be taken away, and you're going fee- to know, sense, and feel exactly what you have been rescued from, and at that moment, you're going to have so much joy in your life, because God has rescued you and delivered you. You don't have to spend one minute there of your life. So women, after you die as a believer, it's going to be this exhilarating moment where you step into the presence of God. And you are going to be enamored with His love. You're going to be enamored with how much he has rescued you from. And when you've been saying all your life that you've been saved and you put your hope and faith in him, it's going to be a complete, full reality of exactly what that means. Because we say we sa- we're saved by faith, and in there, up in heaven, we're not going to have to say that by faith. We're going to know it. And all the answers, we're going to see everything that God has, that has delivered us, protected us, and brought through us, and put people in our lives, we're going to see what has happened. And in an instant, we're going to know how much God has been there in our life, and we're going to say, wow, God, you really did chase me down, and I didn't even know it. God, you really did protect my family. God, you really were in that hardship. I could really see that you had blessed me. Without that hardship, Lord, I would have went down another path. Thank you, God, that I went through a little bit of trial on earth so that you could speak to my heart. Well, it brought me to my knees, I was in so much pain. But I am in so much life right now that I, without that, I would have went to death. We don't know, but when you get into heaven, the moment you get into heaven, this full realization of what your salvation means is going to be clear, it's going to be reality, and you're going to be jumping for joy, dancing on the streets of gold. It's going to be a, the thrill of your life. And we can only hope. And we can only see. And God spells it out. There are mansions in heaven. All oh, this river is going to flow, just, just be so wonderful for us to stand in. And it's going to be amazing. And the only word that we have is awesome. And it's, it's not even helping describe how great it is going to be. And we look through this glass dimly. We don't see everything. And he says, I have even more for you than what you can even imagine. And I don't know about you, but as a kid, I would try and imagine what heaven would be like. Lord, if I can imagine how big it is, then heaven's going to be even better. And I remember as a kid, it was daunting to my spirit. You know, the faith of a child, and, and, and I refer back to my memory sometimes as a child. Lord, help me to, to believe like that. I wouldn't have to, to forget or push out what that means to have life eternal. And maybe you did this too. And I would think in my bed, Lord, I'm going to live forever and ever and ever and ever. And I would start almost getting this like, oh my goodness, you know, God was really speaking to me what this really looks like as a forever thing. In grasping a hold of this joy that is fully complete in an instant. No more pain. No more heartache. All it is is 100% joy. Have you ever experienced 100% joy? We can try. But at the moment we get into heaven, it's going to be pure. And all that grace and forgiveness that we need here is going to flood our souls. And we're going to understand exactly what that means. In the future, we will have resurrected bodies. Just as Jesus was resurrected, we will have uh, resurrected, perfected bodies. Jesus was able to pass through doors and go from here to there, and, and he had this physical body that was able to do uh, supernatural things. We will uh, get there when our bodies are resurrected, but in the meantime, our soul will be directed directly into heaven. So we won't have our physical bodies, yet we will have our soul into heaven right when we um, pass from this earth there The soul is this It's the miracle that's inside of you It's what makes you you Your personality Your thought process Your emotions You know it's all the things that science just can't figure out It's how God Knitted you And worked you The smile on the inside The, the, the you that just makes you Completely you There's never been a you That's your soul. Fully aware and comprehending everything in God's presence. That is what will be there. And it's something that really our our, our forefathers, and I'm talking about spiritual fathers who who were in the time of Jesus, they understood this. And Paul talks about this, and he he loved looking forward to heaven. And I think that's appropriate for the believers to understand that heaven is a powerful message for us to believe in and it conquers Jesus conquers death so all we have to look forward to is hope and Jesus he said this to the thief on the cross i don't want to ask the worship team to come forward as we're wrapping things up the thief on the cross he didn't know anything he had, he was a criminal He deserved to be on the cross. He was the worst of the worst. He was on the cross, and he looked at Jesus and says, can I be with you? What did Jesus do? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's today. That's an instant. Today you're with me. You, You want me? You got me. There wasn't this huge process of, well, you have seven days to prove yourself. No, you want me? You got me. When Jesus was talking to uh, Lazarus' sister after he had passed away, and Jesus comes to her and he he resurrects her and Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And John, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment. He does not come into judgment. But has passed from death to life. And Paul, his perspective as he was looking forward to life, he wrote this: "Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we'd be at home with the Lord. I'd rather be in heaven, then I could be away from this body that's failing. Be away from temptation. I could just experience the fullness of God in my life, like I, I just want." He again says, I'm torn between two desires. I long, I strive. That's where my heart is, to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me, all right? But for your sake, it's better that I continue to live because he was preaching and he knew what it was like, the urgency, what it meant to be saved and Jesus' message that he was giving to the world. It was better for those who had not heard what it was like to put their faith in Jesus, to be rescued, saved, redeemed away from the pit of hell, that Jesus came for a purpose so that no one exp- could experience hell. And by the way, when someone says, As God is an all-loving God, why would he ever send someone to hell? You may give this, get this question, and I just want to help you articulate this. God has never sent anyone to hell. There is not a single person on earth that has ever been sent to hell. But there are those who have chosen to go there. Chosen not to believe in God, not to put their faith and hope in Him. It's a choice, just like Adam and Eve had a choice at the very beginning. Do you either love me or you don't? The choice is up to us. So God has never chosen, to, or God has never sent people to hell. We have chosen, in this time here, who we're going to believe, who we're going to follow. But Jesus, but God did send Jesus so that no one would ever go to hell. Right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He loved the world. That's everybody that He gave His Son, so whoever believes in Him would have eternal life. I mean, that's the gospel. But are we, we we grabbing a hold of that? And these are promises for us to hold to, and be confident in that the sureness and the hope that we have is through Jesus. in, in an instant, He gives us His life eternally. And this is this is more than just religious doctrine or jargon or a scare tactic. I mean, this is just the, the reality of where we're at. It's a reality of life that we can stand before God delivered and set free or could stand facing eternity without any hope. It's a, it's a decision that we make here and now. So I want to ask us to stand together. I want to close with this. If you've heard this message and you're standing now and there's fear of uncertainty, Jesus came to take that fear away. You're not, you haven't been sure. You, 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 you've kind of put that out of your mind. But now that it's brought up, it's stirring some emotion of, of uncertainty, maybe anxiety, worry. And if you're hearing this message, Jesus came to take all of that away. It's the gift. If you're standing here and you say, oh, no, what's going to happen tomorrow? I have never put my hope in Jesus. I just haven't. I've never formulated the words. I've never put my faith in him. And Jesus has come to give you hope in your future. So that you don't have to live in wrestling with the uncertainty of what happens after you die. He can give you a confidence and a peace with God in an instant. So you know that after you die, you know where you're headed with a confidence. And he places you, or he places his peace inside of your heart. If you don't have that peace, God wants to give it to you. That's why he sent his son. To give peace on earth. And I'm making a promise that uh, if you make this decision today in just a few moments when I ask this question, if you raise your hand for the first time and just say, I'm ready to follow him with my life, and I promise that we are going to be here to help you with that decision and what that looks like. Help you with that relationship that you're going to have with God, a new new set of eyes and perspective. We're going to help you with getting connected and We want to be there for you. It's not just a, okay, and you're done. We're going to guide you through this together. We're going to walk through this journey together of life here and life expecting after death. So I want to just ask the question, and it's up to you. Just the invitation. Have you said yes to God's peace? If you have not, there's an opportunity before you right now to experience a joy and a peace and a comfort that can only come through saying yes to Jesus. If you have never said yes to God, raise your hand at this moment. Is there anyone here? Ten more seconds. This could be you. Change your life forever. So, the second part of this is since we're all in the same boat, we've said yes. Did I miss someone? Raise your hand again, right here. I see. I see hands pointing. Okay, we're going to pray. Thank you, Charlie. We're going to pray together that God will place this burden of urgency in our hearts. That the message of hope and life that you have, He's given that to you, and now the responsibility is that we live out that hope and we share this message of hope. And you can't can't do it on your own through the power of the Holy Spirit to do that, right? It's a beautiful thing that God operates in his life in you. How many of you are ready to just give that message of hope outside of those doors today? Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Just raise your hand. We're ready. We have a message of hope. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the message of hope that you give us that we don't have to face death with uncertainty, but we can face it with confidence in you. God, I just ask that you will give us the words to speak when we need to speak. Lord, I just know that this is going to be a conversation that comes up when we surrender to you. It's going to come up in these people's lives, in our lives. Some of us this week ring true, God, your words in our hearts so that we know how to share and speak which you have spoken to us, which you've delivered us and set us free from, rescued us and saved us. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to perceive. In Jesus' name, the people that need this message that you've given us, help us to go out from here full of confidence as missionaries and ambassadors of your word. We are co-laborers. The harvest is ripe and ready. God, we are ready for the seeds to be planted in people's hearts. In Jesus' name, motivate us and move us as a church body, as individuals who represent you in the message of hope. In Jesus' name, god ordained moments of conversation. In Jesus' name, bring the fruit, bring the harvest. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more information on Northview Church, please visit northviewutah.com.